Well, good, good morning on this uh, beautiful, warm, hot day. It's so glad, so grateful to have you. It's refreshing to think you woke up in Alaska. So I'm just grateful that you came out today. For those of you who are watching, uh, thanks for uh, tuning us in. Hope that you will join us. Several things I want to say uh, super quickly. Number one, I know the, the weekend's kind of already passed, but um, though I never served in the military, uh, that was not God's calling on my life. Uh, I am more and more and more grateful because I believe we do live in the greatest country in the world. And I am grateful that to be an American, I really am, and that's not a political statement, that's just a fact. But the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of people who've shed blood and died and served and gave time away from their families that we might enjoy the freedom that we have. And so I want you to do two things, just hold your applause just for a second. If you served in the military or are serving, would you just raise your hand? If you served or you did serve now, I want you to remain seated. I want all of us to stand in the honor of those people and let them know how much we love them and appreciate them. Never miss an opportunity to thank soldiers that served. Never miss an opportunity to thank policemen for what they do. Never miss an opportunity to thank fire people, first responders for what they do. But especially today to you men and women who serve so faithfully and wonderfully in our armed forces, we are grateful. I do have to say this. There is absolutely nothing greater than to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is nothing that can compare with knowing Jesus. Nothing. And this is so so far away down the list, it's not even funny, but I want to tell you, it is great to be a Georgia Bulldog. It's just a great day to be a dog. And uh, by the way, if you're a Tennessee fan or you're a Vanderbilt fan, we run your state. I just want you to know that. And by the way, if you're a Florida fan or an Auburn fan, that makes you mad. I really don't care. I'm in a great mood. I love the Lord. Had a great trip to Israel. It is great to be back. As you know, we're coming up a couple of weeks on the Thanksgiving season. I want to kind of get you ready for one thing. I'm doing something that will bless you. I've been a pastor now for this uh, December will be 46 years I've been a pastor. The hardest time of the year to be a pastor and a preacher is Christmas. Because we know with all respect, how much can you say after 46 years of Christmas? Well, believe it or not, God gave me a series of messages. And I'm going to be preaching a series I have never preached at Christmas. I've never preached on the text I'm going to preach on. I never preached on the person I'm going to preach on. And it is absolutely one of the richest things God has ever given me for Christmas. We're calling it Unsung Hero. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm telling you, you do not want to miss the first three weeks of December because it is fresh, it is new, it's unbelievable, and I can't tell you how God is going to speak to you. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to raise your hand, and I don't want you to give a flippant answer. But here's the question I want to ask you. Because you fall into one of two categories. There's no, there's no middle ground. Are you grateful or ungrateful? Are you basically a thankful person or an unthankful person? Because there's no middle ground. You're either grateful or you're ungrateful. There's no in-between. I, I, I heard what, the way somebody put it. Somebody put it this way. You're either humbly grateful or you're grumbly hateful. Now, I don't know which one you are. But you're either humbly grateful or you are grumbly hateful. Now, I will agree in some cases there's always this in-between, right? I mean, there's hot and there's cold and there's 
warm. And then there is large, and then there is small, and then there is medium, right? There is fat, and then there is thin, and then there is Teresa, my wife. Absolutely perfect. Okay, she'll hear that in the next service. So in some cases, there are some things that are in between. But I want to tell you, in all my years of living, I've never met anybody in between. Basically, as a rule of thumb, generally speaking, from the time you get up till you go to bed, you're basically one of two kinds of people. You're thankful or you're unthankful. You're grateful or you're ungrateful. You look for the positive or you look for the negative. The glass is half full or the glass is half empty. Things are generally going your way and you're happy or things generally are not and you are not. And so one way we're going to talk about today about gratitude is I want to show you one way I know how gratitude will always show up in your life. And I want to go ahead and tell you right up front, before you check out, some of you won't want to check out on me, and before some of you say, why couldn't I have gotten sick this morning? <laughs> gratitude will always show up in giving. No exception. Gratitude will always show up in giving. Gratitude generates giving. I have never in my life met a person that I thought was a thankful person that was not a giving person. And I'll tell you why. When you're really thankful for what someone has done for you, it's just naturally you want to give back something to them. You want to do something for them. You want to reciprocate to them. It's just a natural response. When somebody blesses you, you always just want to always look for you and say, okay, I wonder how I can bless that person. I've got a pastor friend of mine. He sends me a birthday present every year. He's one of my very best friends. Pastors of a very large Methodist church in this state. One of my dearest friends. His birthday was this past week. I was in Israel. And I, I've forgotten about it. I got back. He happened to call me yesterday to see how I was doing. And I, I, I said to him, I said, oh, gosh, Benny, I know I texted you, but I forgot. I'm sending you. Just want you to know. I'm sending you a birthday gift. I don't have to. He doesn't want me to, but I want to because he blesses me. I want to bless him. Now, before you kind of check out and say, oh, go, here we go again. I've heard these messages so far. Let me just put you these on something. This is going to be a totally different kind of message about giving than you've heard so many times when you come to church. Because most of the time when you come to church, what you hear is a message about the what of giving, the how much you ought to give. You know, the, 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 and they're trying to kind of, you feel like getting into your pocketbook. I'm not trying to do that today. As a matter of fact, we're going to learn today that God is not concerned with what you give. Now, it may shock you. God is not concerned with what you give. God's not anxious about it. God's not worried about it. When you give something, don't give anything. God's not concerned with the what you're giving. God's concerned with the why of your giving and the way of your giving. Because here's the truth of the matter. If you will give for the right reason, and you'll give the right way, and you give at the right time, and you give to the right cause, you will give the right amount. Everything else will follow. We get so concerned about the back end, the amount. God says, well, don't worry about the amount. I don't want, just don't think about that. Why do you give what you give? 
How do you give what you give? What is the motivation in your heart? So with that in mind, I want you to take God's word this morning, and I want you to turn to a book called 2 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. It's so easy to find. It's right after 1 Corinthians, okay? So if you'll just turn to Matthew and turn right, you'll hit a book called 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me take you back 2,000 years and tell you what's going on. The Christian church in Jerusalem, where Christianity got started, it was struggling. And the reason why it was struggling is because the economy was just going to pot. There was a famine in Jerusalem. Interest rates were high. Inflation was going up. They were in the middle of a Great Depression. The unemployment rate was through the roof. Bank accounts were low. People were in dire straits. And it didn't matter whether you believed in Jesus or didn't love Jesus or didn't go to church or didn't go. It didn't matter. Everybody's in the same boat. They were really struggling. On the other hand, across the sea... There was a city called Corinth. It was booming. Houses were being built everywhere. The economy was great. Business was good. And the church in Corinth, they had money. They had money to burn. And they could help this church. Well, a year earlier, Paul had been in Corinth, and he had told them about the believers in Jerusalem. And he had asked them, would you give? Would you let us take an offering? You're doing well, they're not. Would you share with the abundance that God's given you? Would you let me take an offering so we could be a blessing to those brothers, those Jewish Christian brothers and sisters in Jerusalem? Well, they said they would. So a year's gone by, and Paul takes an occasion to write a letter to this church again. And he's reminding them, not just of their promise. Hey, you promised you would give something. He said, I want to tell you why you even said you would give to begin with. I want to tell you why you were even motivated to do this to begin with. And I want you to remember something I taught you when I was there. He said, I don't want you just to be givers. And I want to say this to you. I don't want you to be givers to our church. You can sit there and say, wait a minute. You don't know how God's blessed me. You don't know how much money I got. You don't have much money I can give to this church. Look, look at me, read my lips. I don't care. I don't want just givers in this church. I want thankful givers. I want grateful givers. I do not want you to give because you like me, like my preaching, like the building, like the student ministry, like what we're doing in the nursery, like the praise and worship. That's all well and that's all good. I want to tell you why you ought to give because you love Jesus and you're thankful for what God has done for you. That's what I want. I want people who are thankful givers. So here's the principle we're going to learn this morning. You ready? When you give because you are thankful, you'll be thankful that you gave. When you give because you're thankful, you'll be thankful that you gave. Now, let's just take a test. I asked you at the beginning of the message, are you a thankful person? Now, I know some of you are very proud of this. Absolutely. Well, let's put it to the test. Here's what Paul said. If I am a thankful person, I will give generously. If I'm a thankful person, I will give generously. Now, we're in 2 Corinthians 9. Look in verse 6. The point is this. Here's what Paul says. Whoever sows sparingly or will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I, I love this translation because here's the point. Paul gets right to the point about giving. He says, listen, now I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. Giving 
is not a contribution. You know, sometimes we'll say, hey, by the way, we're going to be sending you out a, a form so you can get your contributions off of your taxes. Well, I'm glad you can do that, but I, we need to change that. Giving is not a contribution. It is an investment. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul compares the, here's the analogy Paul uses. He said, when you think about what you give to God's work, when you think about what you give to our church or to any church, when you think about what you give to any charitable organization, think about it the way a farmer thinks about seed. For example, there's a difference between giving and sowing. If you walked up on a farmer one day and he's out in the field and he's kind of, he's plowed his ground and he is giving, throwing out seed, you would not say, you know, you're so generous. I appreciate you contributing that seed. He's not contributing that seed. What's he doing? He's sowing that seed. Now, why is he sowing that seed? Real simple. Let's see how awake you are this morning. That farmer is sowing that seed for one reason, one reason only. He expects a, a harvest. He is expecting a return on his investment. Paul said, giving is just like farming. You're not making a contribution. You're making an investment. Let me give you an example. Some of you, maybe you're like me, that through the years you saved money, and maybe you've invested your money with a, a stockbroker or a financial advisor. All right, let me tell you what I've never said to my financial advisor. I have never taken my financial advisor money and said, look, this is a contribution. Take your family to Disney World. Buy that new Tesla. Go buy that lake house. You just have a ball. No, you know what I want to know when I talk to that guy? What's my ROR? How, what, what kind of return am I going to make? I'm not making a contribution to you. I am making an investment with you. I'm expecting a return. I'm expecting a harvest. And Paul said, just like, an, like you should expect a return on your money when you invest money, just like a farmer should expect to harvest when he sows seed, you ought to see you're giving the same way. You are investing. You ought to have an expectation. Whether that raises a big question. Well, what should I expect? I'm going to tell you in four words, and it's the greatest thing you'll ever get in your life. Here's what you can expect. The blessing of God. That's what you get every time. Never fails. Doesn't matter, how, doesn't matter what the interest rates are, inflation rate is, doesn't matter, unemployment, irrelevant. When you give, and you give for the right reason, you get the blessing of God. That's why investing, giving is just like investing. And But now here, remember, the investor expects a return. The giver expects a blessing. But here's the law of the harvest. You ready? Here's what Paul said. If you sow generously, you reap generously. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. By the way, that Greek word for bountifully is repeated twice. It's the word that gives us the Greek English word eulogy. When you give a eulogy at a funeral, right, what are you doing? You're blessing that person. You give a eulogy, you're trying to say something nice. You're trying to bless the family. You're trying to bless the person. I think I've told you before, uh, you, know, I, you know, as I get older, I've kind of made my funeral plans. So if I were to die today, Tracy knows, you know, who's supposed to do what, what we're going to sing and all that kind of stuff. And so not long ago, she said, hey, I want to ask you a question. She said, if, if, if anybody would say only one thing about you at your funeral, what would you want them to say? I said, man, that's easy. I want them to look in the casket and say, look, he's moving. That's, that's what I would want. That's, that's my desire. But, but, but a eulogy, a eulogy is when you say something nice, you give a blessing. That's the word that Paul uses. He says, you are to give in such a way that you are a blessing and you will get 
a blessing. See, God knows what he's doing when it comes to the fact when he says, I want you to be a generous giver. Because look what he says in verse 11. He says, if you're generous, you will be enriched in every way. Think about this now. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I got a quick question. It's real easy. You can answer it super fast. It's yes or no. Is God a generous God? That's weak. Is God a generous God? Then if you're like God, you'll be generous. Plain and simple. God's a generous God. He wants us to be like him. Then you will be generous. Now, I get this. You can't be generous unless you've got something to be generous with. But let me just say this before I forget it. You think about the widow's mite in the New Testament. Jesus, remember the little lady put two cents, basically two cents in the pot, and all these rich people are coming. They were dropping in, I mean, they were dropping in $100 bills. She drops in two cents, and Jesus said, that woman's given more than they give. Listen to me carefully. You may think, I can't be generous. Generosity does not depend on what you have. It depends on what you give. Poor people can be generous just like rich people. In fact, there are some of you here that give far less money than others, but you're far more generous. Because you've got a lot less left over. You've got a lot less to give. So don't get there, sit there and say, well, he's preaching to rich people. I'm preaching to everybody, as you'll see in just a moment. We can all be generous. But what Paul is saying is, when you bless others by your giving, God will bless you even more, so you become even more of a blessing. John Bunyan put it this way in a little poem. Listen to this. A man there was, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. You know why? That's the law of the harvest. I could say something right now, and it would sound like I'm so bragging, so I won't do that. I'm just going to, I'll just be very general. I'm a firm believer in what I'm preaching. I'm not just preaching to you and telling you what you ought to do. I am living proof of what I'm reading in this text. I learned, it's take, I've, I've, seen it, I've seen it since I've gotten married and before. My Teresa and I were talking about it as we were talking about the message the other day. I've seen it in my own life. I can die today. There's, there's some things I, I wish I could do over again. And even I would say, I wish probably looking back, I'd given even more. And I'm looking for ways to give more now. But I will tell you this. I'm not ashamed of what I've given. I'm not ashamed of asking you to give because you, I've told you all this. You can call the church tomorrow and check my giving record I'm giving you carte blanche. Go call and check. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying, number one, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not going to ask you to do something I don't do. But why do I do it? I don't do it because I get a tax return. If they pass the law today and said no more tax return or, or, or no more deduction, not going to affect my giving. Because that's not why I gave. I am telling you, your pastor is living proof. God has blessed us so much. We were talking about it on our trip to Israel. I said, you know why I got one of the reasons God's blessed us? We blessed him. And you cannot outbless God. He will not let you do that. And that's exactly what Paul says here. So when God blesses you, and God's blessed so many of us today, he expects you to bless others. But then when you bless others, you know what God says? Hey, I blessed you, you blessed others, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you even more. And the reason I'm going to bless you more is so you can be more of a blessing to others. So someone put it best this way. Listen to this. When you begin to see your wealth from God's perspective, you will see the thing to fear isn't giving away too much. It is sowing too little. God expects us to be generous givers. If you're thankful, you'll give generously. Number two, 
If you're thankful, you will give joyfully. Now listen to what he says in verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Now you're going to love this part. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Such a refreshing thought. Let me tell you, there's a lot of difference between God and the government, and aren't you grateful that there are? Can I tell you one big difference between God and the government? The government doesn't care if you're joyful or not. They just want their money. Now, the problem is, it ain't their money, but they want it. But they don't care. Give with a smile, give with a frown, give cussing and kicking the dirt and screaming. Just pay your taxes. God says, no, not me. I want a cheerful give. What a refreshing thought. I want somebody that doesn't give casually. I don't want somebody that doesn't give carelessly. I want you to think out your giving. I want your giving to be carefully thought out and carefully brought out. Now, by the way, did you hear who Paul said this to? Now, watch this. Don't miss these words. He says, each one must give. So I'm just going to tell you what Paul said. Paul says, I expect everybody to give something. 50% of the church, average church, doesn't give anything. I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not, you'll see this in a minute. I'm, don't you get mad at me about to put you on a guilt trip because I told you I don't want you giving, you know, if giving out of any other reason than being glad and grateful, don't give. But 50% of you don't give anything to our church. 50% of you never give it up. 50, and listen, a lot of you are blowing me off right now. There are a lot of you out there saying, you can preach up, you can say whatever you want to say. I'm not, I'm going to continue to come. I'm going to suck the blessings. I'm going to enjoy the messages. I'm going, to, I'm going to take advantage of the programs and the ministries, but I'm not going to give anything. That's okay. That's all right. God always provides. Where God guides, God provides. Where God leads, he meets the needs. I, that's okay. Because I don't have to stand before God like you're going to have to stand before God one day. And so you better get ready because I want to tell you right now, whatever excuse you give God while you never gave to God's work, trust me, bad grammar, great theology, it ain't going to fly. It ain't going to fly. That's Okay. But I'm just simply saying, Paul said, I'm not leaving anybody out. Let each one of you give. So put simply, Christians give. That's just what you find. Matter of fact, go read your New Testament. There are no exceptions. A non-giving Christian is a foreign concept in the New Testament. They didn't even think that way. But not, so, so not only should Christians give joyfully, thoughtfully, they should give joyfully. Now look what he says. I love this. I'm going to help some of you out. Not reluctantly are under compulsion. So let me just help some of you out. If you think that I'm trying to put some of you on a guilt trip, I am not. Now, if God puts you on a guilt trip, that's your problem. It's not my problem. But I want you to hear me. If you think I'm trying to do this like, like you're an orange and I'm trying to squeeze drops out of you, let me make this easy for you. If you're going to give like this, keep your money. I don't want it. God doesn't want it. Not, not reluctantly, not out of guilt. Well, all right, I know, boy, I, you know, yeah, I do take advantage, and yeah, I'll, I'll start, no, keep your money. I can't make that any plainer. You won't hear a preacher say that much. There's some prosperity preachers, you'll never hear them say that. I'm saying it, keep your money. Not, under, not, not reluctant, not under compulsion. 
Giving ought to be something that flows out of you like a river. Now, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, so, okay, let me get this straight. So if I think it through and my heart doesn't feel like giving anything, then I don't have to give, right? No, that's wrong for two reasons. Number one, as you decide what, if anything, you want to give, remember what we just read. If you sow sparingly, reap sparingly. So bountifully, reap bountifully. So if you think through and you believe it and you're going to give something, you're going to think, you know what? I want to give generously. Now, second thing you may say, well, you know what? What if I just don't have it in my heart to give? Should I give? No, but here's what you ought to do. Go home and don't come out of your house till you ask God to change your heart to want to give. That's what you ought to do. Don't live with an ungiving heart. Give with a, live with a giving heart. See, this is how you know that your heart is right with God. Here's how you can know you're hitting on all eight cylinders. You won't just give thoughtfully. Okay, I've thought it out. I'll give this. Nope, more than that. You won't just give willfully. Yeah, I know I need to give. I'll give that. Nope. You won't even just give generously. I got a lot of money. I can do it. I'll give. You won't do that. When you're right with God, you will give cheerfully. Joyfully. Look what he says. God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever had the experience of giving something to somebody that really needed it? And you just experienced that unbelievable good feeling you had just for doing it? You know, when you come to understand grace, I had a, when we just got back from Israel and I had a guy on a bus, he asked me a question. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, you know, now that you've been a Christian for a long time, he said, what is the one thing you still can't get your mind around? What's the one thing you still just can't get? And I said, that's easy. I, I can't get my mind around the grace of God. I, can't, I just can't do it. So you don't know me like I know me. But knowing me like I know me, if I'd been God, I wouldn't have saved me. And then God called me. You don't know me like I know me. But knowing me like I know me, if I'd have saved me, if I'd been God, I sure wouldn't have called me. And I just can't get over the fact, you saved me. You called me. In spite of the fact I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but just out of your grace. And so you, you just get this experience of how God did it just because he loved me. I'm going to tell you a story, and it's, I'm not trying to be the hero of the story. That's not the point. I'm not, trying to, I'm not looking for pass on the back. I did what most of you would have done, but I'm going to tell you it's one of the, it gave me one of the best feelings I've ever had. So I was walking out of our church offices one day, and I was about to go into my car, and one of our members was sitting there, and sitting there, and she had her head down. And I walked over, and I said, hey, what are you doing here? Well, she looked at me for just a minute, and then she just put her eyes back on the floor. And just, you know, real quiet, she said, um, well, Pastor, I've run out of money. And, and I literally don't have any food, and I can't buy any groceries. And I was just hoping maybe the, you know, the church could, could help me. Well, I'll be honest. I started just going my merry way, and... and uh, I started, so, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to help you. And then the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, well, why don't you help her? Do you ever get kind of irritated with God sometimes? Does that ever happen to you? Because, see, here's what you don't know. That morning, I had just put $100 in my wallet because there was something that I'd been wanting to buy for myself for a long time. As a matter of fact, I was going to, buy it for my birthday, okay? Now, my birthday's in December. This was June, but let's just leave that aside. <laughs> but I just put that money in my wallet. 
And I said, Lord, I've kind of put, off, put this off for a while, and I told Trace I was going to buy it, and she said I could have it. <laughs> but I couldn't move. So I went back over to that lady, and I, I made sure nobody was looking, and I knelt down, and I said, uh, I got something for you. And I put that $100 bill in her hand. Her eyes got this big, oh, pastor, you don't have to do that. I said, no, ma'am, I don't have to do it. I want to do it. I said, as a matter of fact, you know what? I, I'm going to be honest. I, I got forgiveness. I kind of lied. I said, you know, God put that in my wallet for you to have this morning. And deep down, I knew that was true. Well, let me tell you something. The tears started coming down her cheeks. She jumped up, grabbed me, hugged me. I didn't walk to my car. I floated to my car. Because I was able to take the blessing God had given me and bless somebody else. Let me tell you something. You could have stuck me with a pin anywhere in my body and joy would have flown out of my body. I was so pumped. I was so excited. You know, even to this day, I don't even remember what it was I wanted to buy and I'm glad I didn't buy it. I just thoughtfully and willfully and joyfully gave to her. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me just make something plain. That doesn't mean God hates an uncheerful giver. And it doesn't mean that God hates somebody that doesn't give. Can I tell you something? If you're, not, if you're one of those people that don't ever give a dime to our church, God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. You're not going to go to hell for it. I'll tell you this. God feels sorry for you. That you will live your life every day accepting from him the free gift of eternal life. And you don't even have enough gratitude in your heart to give a dime back to him. He doesn't go, well, so many things I want to do, but you know, you didn't give. I'm broke. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Doesn't need your money. I'm going to say this a thousand times. He doesn't need you to give. You need to give. Not for what it does for him, what it does for you. What it does for your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. God, he understands it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because I don't want you to leave here thinking something's not true. God does not love us because of the good that we do. He just loves it when we do good. God doesn't love us because we give, but he does love it when we give. And let me tell you something. So every time you willfully and you thoughtfully and you intentionally and then with a smile on your face and joy in your heart, you give. You know what God says? Bless your heart. I just love it when you do that. That's put such a smile on my face. Now, I'm going to be honest. Some of you are really going to love heaven because in heaven, you don't have to give anything. So you'll be happy. It's going to be a sad time when you stand before the Lord and he says, look at all I did for you. Look at all I have prepared for you. Now tell me what you gave to me. God loves a cheerful giver. But he's not concerned with what you give. It's why you give. It is the way that you give. Listen, God doesn't want you to be a sad giver. You know, oh, I'm just so sorry. God does not want a sad giver. God does not want a mad giver. You guilt trip, pastor. You, okay, I'll give, but God curse you for what you've done to me today. He doesn't want a sad giver or a mad giver. He wants a glad giver, somebody that gives just for one reason. Thank you, thank you, 
thank you for what you've done for me. Let me now do something for you. So, you're a grateful person. You'll give generously. You'll give joyfully. But you know the last point is obvious. You will give gratefully. So now we come to the real reason why every Christian ought to be a giver and want to give. Listen to what he says in verse, verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. <clears throat> By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. You heard a word repeated twice in those verses. It's that word, thanksgiving. And let me tell you something you've never probably thought about before. You can't spell thanksgiving without giving. You can't spell thanksgiving without giving. And what you see in those verses are the real reason why we all want to give to God's work, the result of giving to God's work, the primary reason why every one of us ought to give, want to give, joyfully give, thoughtfully give, intentionally give, is just out of gratitude. Gratitude. Because every time you give to God's work, every time you meet a need, you know what you're really doing? You're doing two things. Number one, you're offering a thanksgiving sacrifice to God, but then you cause others to give thanksgiving to God for what you have done for them. So here's where it all comes down to. It's a question only you can answer. Are you really thankful for what God has done for you? Are you really thankful for the health that God's given you, for the home that God has given you? Are you really thankful for the children, the grandchildren? Are you really thankful for the job that God has given you? Are you really thankful for the country he's given you to live in? Are you really, really thankful for what God has given you? And then are you thankful for what God has done for you? Are you really thankful that as we come upon this Christmas season, God sent his son? And are you thankful that that son willingly came? Are you thankful that son died on the cross for your sins? Are you thankful that son came back from the grave? Are you thankful that God offers us free of charge the gift of eternal life? Now, don't answer that question too flippantly. And don't answer it too quickly. Because you're only truly grateful for what God has given you when you show it by giving back to God. Otherwise, it's just hot air. That makes you mad. You apologize. I'll forgive you. It's just true. Gratitude generates giving. So let me just make it as plain as I can. Be real blunt. Generous, grateful people give. Ungrateful people don't. That's simple. You can give me all the excuses you want to try to give me. Every, it doesn't work. I'm not going to tell you right now. If you're one of those you don't give, you're just not Grateful, because here's the real problem why 50% of the people in church never give to the church. Here's the problem. It's not that they are unwilling. It is not that they are unable. Everybody can give something. Your five-year-old son can give a dime. That's not the problem. The problem is you're ungrateful. Now, if you don't believe that, listen to how Paul concludes this whole passage. We'll wrap it up. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. What, what gift is Paul talking about? Matter of fact, it's such a great word. He actually made up this word. This word's found nowhere else in the New Testament. It's found nowhere else in Greek literature. Paul literally just made the word up. Thanks be God for his inexpressible 
gift. It means indescribable. Can't put it into words. I know what he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus. See, when God gave Jesus to us, think about how God gave Jesus to us. He gave Jesus expectantly. He expected people to respond to Jesus and give their life to him. He gave Jesus willfully. He didn't give Jesus because he had to. He gave him because he ought to. He gave Jesus because he wanted to. And when you finally realize, God, you gave me Jesus, then we want to give back to God. So listen to one last thing Paul said to this church. Watch this. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, what was Paul saying? So we're going to wrap this up. And again, we're going to come full circle and hopefully make some of you feel a little bit better. God doesn't need your money. You need his grace. He doesn't need your money. You need his grace. And when by faith you begin to God give God's work, give to God's work by God's grace, listen, he said, I'll not only supply what you need, you'll find you have something else to give. So can I just talk just a minute to those of you who, honestly, you don't give? I just want to ask you to just, just challenge it. Beginning today, give something a shot. We've only got, what, six weeks left in the year. Just from now to the end of the year, just start giving something. Just think about the promises and the principles we learned today. Just, just pray it through. Ask God, God, what would you have me to give? And then say, Lord, whatever I give, I'm not going to give it out of guilt. I'm going to give it out of gratitude for what you've done for me. Now, as you pray about it, let me just tell you about a few points of outreach that we plan. We've given some ways that you can give. So you can be confident your giving is really going to be a blessing to others. We're providing food boxes and toys for families in a few neighborhoods in our Peachtree Ridge cluster. We're preparing food boxes for needy families in our local schools and our first responders. We are currently taking part, many of you know, in Operation Christmas Child. That shoebox outreach sponsored by Samaritan's First. Our Care Point ministry is going to be providing care boxes at both Thanksgiving and Christmas to hundreds and hundreds of people. And then we've done something that's real easy we did last year. We're going to have for you bread pan kits. Well, you can just go cook some bread, you know, banana bread or whatever. And, and, and then after our service on December 4th, December 11th, go to your neighbors for your charges and say, hey, this is a gift for you. This is something we made. We'd like to invite you to our Christmas Eve service. So it's just all the giving that we possibly can. Now, that's for those of you who are not giving. If you're already giving, I'm going to ask you, starting now through the end of the year, would you give a little bit more than you're giving? Would you offer God just a little bit more and above and just watch how God's grace meets your generosity? So I'm going to close with this and then we'll say goodbye. Amen. You've got to make up your mind about one simple thing. Everything I've said is a bunch of junk or it's all true. There's no in between. If you don't believe it, don't give. If you don't believe anything that Paul said, don't give. My job, my runway's getting shorter. You know, now I'm, I'm reading about people dying in their late 60s, early 70s. I say, Lord, that's where I am. I might die tomorrow. Never know. 
The only way is getting shorter. And whatever ministry I have left, I'm going to bust it to get you ready to meet God. I'm going to bust it. No, we will not meet God perfect. But we ought to meet God blameless. And I want every one of you to stand before God and not be ashamed when giving records come up. I want some of you to stand before God and not say, look at the Tesla that I drove and look at the house that I lived in and look at the Rolex that I own. Look at the real estate that I own. Look at all the money I made in my investments. Nope. Even when it comes to your pocketbook, I'm going to do everything I can to motivate you and move you to be in a point where when you stand before God, he will look at that giving record and he will say, well done, good, faithful servant. Because I'm going to tell you this and say amen. There's two things I've seen in my life. You could put a gun to my head and say deny it, and I'd say blow them out because I'm not denying it. Number one, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's exactly who he said he was. He did exactly what he said he did. And he is more real to me today than he's ever been in my life. That I'll die for. Here's the other thing I can tell you. You cannot outgive God. Would you pray with me? Lord, you've been so good to my ministry and to the churches I've pastored through the years. You've always provided I'm not going to sit here and tell our church we're in dire straits because we're not. We've got great men like Bruce Hardy and great people like our finance ministry team and we handle our money with integrity and care and we've done a great job of balancing giving and saving and so it's not that. But Lord, I want our people to be grateful and grateful people give. Life is too short to be grumbly hateful. We ought to spend it being humbly grateful and the way we do that is by giving. Here's what I want to say to those of you who are watching right now on television or you're watching online or whatever, wherever you might be. You're in this building. Listen to me. Can I tell you what I want you to give God more than anything else? Give God your heart. Give God your heart. You give God your heart, everything else takes care of itself. That's the domino. If you've never been saved, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why don't you say right now, Lord Jesus, you gave your life for me. You died on the cross for me. You want to give me eternal life even though I don't deserve it. Well, Lord, today, I'm going to give you what I know you really want, my heart, my soul, my life. I confess you as my Lord. I trust you as my Savior. I surrender my life to you. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. If you prayed that prayer, you're watching right now, television, online, around the world, wherever you might be, you're watching right now. Would you just go to this website, go crosspointchurch.com slash next. Just go to your cell phone, computer. Just go to crosspointchurch.com slash next. Let us hear from you. Let us know you gave your life to Christ. We'll help you take your next step with God. For those of you in this room, a boy, a girl, a single person, a married person, old or young, either one. Hey, I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my heart. I gave the one thing God wants more than anything else. I gave Jesus my life today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're grateful for what Jesus just did for you, if you're grateful he saved you, here's how you're going to show it. Go out to the lobby. There's a table out there called Next Steps. Go to that table. Just simply tell them, I got saved today, gave my life to Jesus. There's some of you here who say, I don't need to do that. I already have. Have you been biblically baptized? Well, no. 
Did you know one way you can show Jesus you're thankful is by being baptized? Some of you need to show Jesus you're thankful because you've been saved and baptized, but you've not joined this church. You need to join this church. You can do that. You can show Jesus you're thankful by being in a small group and being discipled, by taking next, next best news cards and sharing them, by having a one that you can share Jesus with. And Lord, this is my prayer because I'm a satisfied customer. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we come on this thanksgiving season, we will be thanksgiving people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.